Welcome to Real Deep Stuff. We've saved your seat at the table for this conversation. We're so glad you're here. Hey, welcome back to Real Deep Stuff. Bruce is here again. And of course, Christy. Today, we are so excited to continue the anniversary edition of our 33 years of marriage. Talking about who we were. What we've learned. What it's like to be married now. With topics in today's episode of Considering Each Other's Character Before We Overreact. Trust. Trust. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. a good one. Keep growing without growing apart. Rules of conflict. Dun, dun, dun. And love is a choice. Sometimes you just got to let it go. Yeah, and that's different than giving grace. Find out how. And then, of course, our red lines, respecting boundaries. Yeah. This it's going to be fun. This is a juicy one. We get as <laughs> real as it gets. Let's, Stay with us. Let's do it. All right, let's do another one. Uh, is it my turn? Yes. All right, this one is, ooh, consider character, not the TV movie slash drama. Consider the character. All right, so we're going to get more real and maybe go a little deep. You know, I guess for me where this came in is tying a little bit back to what we were talking about the opening where you just simply didn't have the, the privilege of good role models that are men in your lives and in your, in your life. And, uh, you know, as, as a result, you know, sometimes you really challenged me. You made it incredibly difficult for me. You didn't trust me. And you intentionally did some things in the beginning to test that trust. You yes, know? I did. You did. And, uh, you know, at the time I didn't understand it. Of course, I came to, to learn it. You know, when that was happening, I had to just pause and consider your character. And, from what I knew about you, I was like, okay, this is not who she, what she just said to me, and it was not kind at all, was, frankly, was really mean, or was degrading, or, or what have you, and I was, but I said, gosh, that just doesn't seem like her character, so rather than, so I had to kind of force myself to not react which would be, I think, totally plausible and real, realistic to react emotionally to whatever was happening, or whatever test you might have been putting me through, and to react emotionally and forcefully, and then and maybe you just pull away and say, you know what, I don't need any of this. You know, I'm better than this. I don't deserve this. I didn't do anything to deserve this kind of thing. And there was a lot of eyes in everything I just said, right? But instead I said, hmm, what if I consider her character and this that didn't they didn't connect and it helped me ignore the drama and help me to put the drama aside or in a box or or just kind of understand that the drama was coming from somewhere I didn't know where or why or how I just knew that drama did not match who you are um, so as long as I focused on who you are and your character, it made a lot. It made it possible, frankly, for me to not walk away. When I think a lot of people probably would have. So, and I think you got a couple of stories like that for me, where you had to <laughs> no, I consider will, my character. No, I'll say you're absolutely right. So this is a really uh, big moment of our relationship is once we moved past the dating and oh it's just you know just blissful love and love is in the air and I knew that you were committed to me 
I suddenly just got really scared that you were going to turn out to be like everybody else. And I had so many guards up and such thick walls up and such incredibly big scars on my heart and wounds that had not even begun to heal that I went into self-defense mode even when you hadn't really you know given me any reason to like that was just my self-preservation kind of like I'm gonna leave you before you can leave me I'm gonna hurt you before you can hurt me that type of thing because I just didn't have any faith or trust in the in the system of, of a healthy relationship mm -hmm. didn't see that didn't know what that looked like didn't know if I if it was possible so once once I knew that you were like in it for the long haul, I was going to do everything I could to test you, almost make you leave me. So I didn't hmm. want to be right, but I didn't know how I could be wrong because it's all I knew what was normal is just unhealthy relationships. So... I am so regretful of the things that I said to you. And this was not like a week-long thing. This was years, you know, a couple of years of just visceral venom poisonous things because I was sure that a healthy relationship, if it existed, it, it wouldn't be something I could ever have. It's just something that I could dream about, but other people might have it, but not me. I didn't feel worthy of that. So, yeah, half of it, how I treated you in the beginning, half of it was that. And the other half was you became, at that point in my life, up to that point, you became the safest place I'd ever had. And unfortunately, therefore, you got the dumpster of garbage dumped on you because I had that something I had been carrying in me for so long, I had mm -hmm. nowhere to put it. And it's kind of like that feeling when you know you need to throw up, you know it's in there, and mm. you just you just are waiting for it, and you're just like, if I could just throw up, I'll feel so much better. Mm. And that was like my whole childhood of feeling like I know it's in there. I know I need to throw up what I get. And then, then you came along that was like, I love you unconditionally. You know, I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and when I started believing that you were a safe place, I just vomited my whole everything on you my whole distrust of men and my hurt and I mean some of it quite serious and no you didn't deserve that you were the unfortunate soul that chose to say mm -hmm. for better or worse and I was like you don't know what you're getting into because I I just was so broken I was such a broken, broken person and um, traumatized 
I mean, in therapy for years and still in EMDR therapy now, which I highly recommend. I did an entire podcast with my current therapist on EMDR, um, making great strides finally. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was, it was a two-parter for why I did all that. Um, I just was testing you, just seeing mm-hmm. how much could a human possibly handle, how many times could you hear me say you know, I hate you, you know, just leave type of thing. And and then saying, okay, you're not going to leave. Well, then here comes a tsunami of undealt with trauma. And that's not fair for a human to do to another human. And here you still are. <laughs> it's like those scenes in the movies where the person just starts flailing out of control and the per- and the other person just grabs them and holds them really tight and, you know, and she's just kicking and screaming and crying, not at the person, just like at, at life, at whatever's happening. And that other person just holds them until they can finally stop and rest. And, um, yeah, it, it was not fun. It, it, I mean, it brought me to the emergency room several times thinking I was having a heart attack. The anxiety that's kind of come out of all of that. So here we are 33 years Mm -hmm. next week and, uh, you're still here. And so I appreciate that you could see through that because I'm sure when, you know, we met and you were tutoring me in math and we were going on dates mm-hmm. and all that, you you weren't aware of any of this mm-hmm. behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. um, it was rough. It was really, really rough. It was almost like I was detoxing from all the dysfunction that I knew. It's like it had to be purged so I could say... I don't even know still if I'm worthy of having a healthy relationship, but here is one in front of me being offered to me. Mm-hmm. Do I do I want to take it? It was terrifying. Ter- I was so scared. And not having parents to talk about any of this with, you know, made it even harder. It's just kind of on my own. So, um, so yeah, that I appreciate you sticking around. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think you know what I think I I think that the boot camp that you went through in the Air Force helped prepare you for this because mm. when you talk about boot camp will you just take a second and explain how you explained to me what boot camp was yeah so first of all for all my military military veterans out there uh, I was in the Air Force so it was a mind game and I didn't know that going into the Air Force. All I knew was that you're sitting there at attention and you've got this giant you know, training instructor up in your face and he's screaming his head off and he's literally half an inch from your face and promising to you know, beat you to a pulp and you know, do all kinds of crazy stuff to you. Scare the living daylights out of you. But what I realized after a little while that it was a mind game and that the whole idea was to tear you down mentally and physically and then build you back up again 
but what I, but that realization came, and I was like, okay, wait a minute, this guy is actually not going to pummel me, <laughs> even though he's in my face and he's screaming at me at the top of his lung, and his spit is going all over my face. Mm. I know, yeah, um, and I can smell his, you know, nasty nicotine coffee breath, like that's all I can breathe. He's not actually gonna punch me in the face. He's not actually going to put me in a headlock and, until I pass out, even though that's what he's telling me he's going to do. When I realized that, I was like, okay, so this is just a game. So I guess I can kind of ignore what he's saying or at least take what he's saying and put it in a box off to the side, knowing that for whatever reason, he's got to say these things right now. And he is saying these things right now. Um, so, yeah, I think it gave me some grit and perspective and frankly the ability it was survival at that point i had to i had to take what they were saying to me and put it in a box and put it to the side otherwise because i saw guys next to me that did not do that and they fell apart and they didn't last two weeks and they sent they went home and i was determined to not have that happen to me so yeah i guess you're right that uh, it, it definitely helped and uh i think because you saw something and us that you thought was worth sticking around for mm -hmm. and going through all that. I didn't say those things to you, <laughs> no. but it was the level of just pushing you away, just pushing mm -hmm. you away, pushing you away, you know, just in every way I could just uh, leave me alone, leave, go away, you know, all those things just over and over and over and over. I mean, I, it, it was bad because... I loved you too much to think that I could handle you walking out of my life. So I was going to push you out of my life before that, before you could walk out of my life. Mm. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> to someone hey, that's who's what incredibly we do. broken yeah. from, from other people walking out of yeah, your life that shouldn't have. That's that's what happens mm -hmm. in this broken world. Hurt people hurt people, right? I think that's how it goes. And um, and so, yeah, very highly regretful of all of that. I'm a high believer in counseling and therapy and uh, dealing with things so so you don't have to mm -hmm. treat the people you love like that, you know, and, and I'm glad that you stuck around. Um, I think on... My end of things is not nearly so dramatic. Um, you didn't come into our relationship with the tsunami of trauma that I did. Everyone has some level of baggage for sure. But, um, but for me, as far as remembering your character, considering your character is just uh, more on, you know, the day-to-day -day things. Mm -hmm. Just um, not letting your what looks like in an inattentiveness be so personal to me because I know that you like you haven't been diagnosed with it but you're the textbook of ADD mm -hmm. and so like I've come to understand that about you and so it where I used to just get so mad I'd be just ticked I'm like you're not listening to me you're not even looking at me you're looking at your phone again or you're looking at the tv blah, 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 blah. you know just oh it was always like gas on a fire instead now i i can just literally say 
um, if, if the TV's on, not even any sound on, if it's on behind me and I'm talking to you and I see your eyes over my shoulder, I don't instantly go to that whole like, oh, he doesn't love me. He doesn't think what I'm saying is important. I don't do that anymore. I just, I just kind of move my head in front of the TV and go, hey, what I have to say is important and I need you to listen. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, yeah, okay, you know, and you'll turn the TV off or I'll change my standing position to where the TV's not behind me. In restaurants as well. I hate when restaurants have TVs in them because for people with attention issues, it's like torture. (laughs) So I position myself in the restaurant to where I've got the TV in my sight line because I can can ignore it, you know. So, um, (laughs) and so like, yeah, things like that, like, um, or if you start to get, you know, if I feel like your temper's rising, I can just remember honestly and like okay this is the 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 cloth from which he was cut and so this is a natural response for him and i'm now going to counter that Mm -hmm. with um with a calm response and bring everything back down and where before I would say, you know, why don't you just get so angry? You know, I, everything's just so igniting, ignitable. Everything's so highly volatile, you know, just it's just crazy the amount of time in our marriage we wasted just being overreactive mm-hmm. on each of our parts. And it's like now, yeah, I can just say, uh, yeah, it's, it's, what's his character? Is he really, mm-hmm. truly not caring what I have to say right now? No. But there's some distraction. So maybe I start talking as I'm walking into a room. You were already on your phone doing something. So technically, I'm interrupting what that was. So I'm not expecting you to just, you know, I'm not a queen. Like, you're not going to drop everything as I walk in a room. So it's like, oh, okay, I can see that he was in the middle of this. So I'm just going to stop talking. And I'll just say something Mm -hmm. like, let me know when you have a minute. Just things like that. That's just like rational logical, mm-hmm. calm things. And not every single thing has to be a fight. And like, golly. Right. Yeah, I just, and, and I think that being someone of high character is super important in a relationship on both sides of the fence. And I'll speak to yours is that I've always appreciated that you, you know, you will not even watch a bra commercial. You just turn your head. Like, and I just appreciate that so much. I love that you will not watch that. And and I told you recently, I said, I said, I, I like how you don't look at that because women are already told from every angle in this entire world that we're not enough already. Mm. We're not enough in mm. any measure. Anything we are is wrong or needs to be improved. And so we don't need any help from outside forces reminding us of our flaws. And maybe they're not even flaws. Maybe we are just fine the way we are, mm-hmm. but we're not what someone else says, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, um, remembering your character, another way would be when you start to say something and I'm taking it differently than how you're meaning it. Or even if you're saying something that I'm like, seriously, are you saying this right now? Before, keywords before. <laughs> I choose to ignite that argument about it. What do you mean? You know, I just stop. 
I'm just like, is is the voice inside my head that I'm hearing that's accusing him, like trying and convicting him of being a jerk or whatever, is is that accurate? Is that a truthful voice? Because is what he's saying representative of his whole self? Mm. You know, maybe you're having a bad day and you just have a short tolerance yeah. for things. Mm-hmm. Maybe I didn't let you finish your sentence <laughs> and I'm taking something out of mm-hmm. context. Um, there's a lot of different ways that we can, as the listener, can, can uh, go down a wrong path. And so for me to go... Does this sound like Bruce? Would he really talk to me like this? You know, sometimes I'll just say, wow, you're having a bad day. I'm just going to give you some space. And that ends any potential day wrecker. Because I'm like, well, first of all, I didn't do anything that would deserve being snapped at. And... If he's having a bad moment, we all have those moments. So mm-hmm. maybe I just need to give him a minute and I'll just leave the room. So yeah, remembering character and not trying and convicting someone on a moment of what mm-hmm. they've said or done, I think is important in a marriage. Yeah, that's the last thing I guess that to kind of wrap up this from my side is there's a real practical side of considering someone's character first and that real practical side is just real simple it's like i'll i will say some things that are that come out wrong you know it's just a pure miscommunication they come out wrong or they're they're out of context or they're in context whatever but i'll say something and it'd be real easy for you to get hurt and fly off the handle and that sort of thing however if you stop and go, oh, oh, does that match up with Bruce's character? And I'm grateful for that. Is that, and a lot of times, nine times out of ten, it's just a pure miscommunication. It's like, oh no, I was talking about yesterday. I wasn't talking about today or right now or whatever. It was something totally different. You know, it was just a simple, innocuous, very easygoing miscommunication. But that could have very easily started a really big fight. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like, before you get all emotional, all of us, we should consider the person's character first, then think about what they just said. So it's pretty practical. Yeah, and you could go pretty deep with that to say, like, someone who is insecure in themselves, so they might think something their spouse does challenges that. Mm. It's like, well, wait a minute, why did I just think that? No, they didn't really give me any logical reason to think that they were thinking or doing something they shouldn't. It's my my insecurity that, right. that caused that. Mm-hmm. So check yourself, right? To for you wreck yourself. All right. <laughs> All right. Next one. So, alrighty. I think I'm pulling. The issue is trust. I know that I have an example of how. A, a couple should be able to trust each other. I think that a healthy couple should be able to share their passwords and their passcodes. Oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> because I believe if the other person 
doesn't want you to have a passcode or a password mm-hmm. to their devices. Mm-hmm. Why that makes me go? Why not? What do you? What do you mm-hmm. not want me to see? Mm-hmm. So, I love that you and I have all of our passcodes that are mm-hmm. shared sure. between us. Right. Knowing that at any moment, you could sit down on my computer or pick up my phone and do anything you want. Look at my history, look mm-hmm. at anything, and I have no secrets, and mm-hmm. I know the same is for you. Mm-hmm. So that's my, my example of how trust should be in this day and age mm-hmm. between a healthy married couple is sharing all the passwords and passcodes. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Well, and, and it's, um, well, kind of goes into my one, which is, it's similar, but it's having transparency in uh, spending. So again, like I can see everything that you buy and you can see everything that I buy. It's, it, you know, again, just having that openness and transparency that it's, you know, uh, n- nothing to hide here, you know, and I think that's, you know, it's a simple thing, but I think it's a, it's a foundational element of trust. So, you know, for other folks, maybe it's going to be a little different, whatever the context is. Yeah, I mean, you can pick up my phone, you can look at whatever, it doesn't matter. You can look at the checking account, you can see exactly, it's like, you know, I don't have some secret bank account somewhere and you don't have some secret bank account somewhere that I'm funneling money to and spending it on whatever. That establishes a lot of trust between the two of us. Is that the information, you know, that we have on your side with sharing passwords and that sort of thing, it's open, it's transparent. And from a finance perspective, it's open, it's transparent. So, I mean, there are, there's there's one downside to that the finance side, and that we've pretty much worked through it, and it's kind of a funny one. I think I know what you're going to say. Amazon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right? Because we can, we, we can see everything. So mm-hmm. it's like sometimes really hard to buy gifts for, for each other, but we've, we've found ways to kind of work around that. It's it's certainly, but that's a cost. Yeah, right? you told me, you, you discovered at some point that I have a, quote, secret Amazon account. Oh, that's right, you do. Ooh, <laughs> I was like, wait, I what? opened, because we Hold were sharing, I was like, I opened my own because that's how I buy your surprises. And, and But the thing is, is that you have the passcode I could to get my into computer, it at, at so any if point you if wanted I want to, to, you could get into it, but yeah. you know, if you do, you ruin your own surprises, yeah. so you're welcome to it, but, you know. And for me, I just tell you, all right, don't look in the orders (laughs) thing. Don't go in and search orders for the next two weeks or whatever. (laughs) Um, I just haven't gotten to that point because, you know, I don't want to break your trust and have a separate, you know, Amazon account. Mm -hmm. That I could easily get into (laughs) if I wanted to. (laughs) So those are mine. I mean, those are kind of silly, but I think those are foundational, like, trust items. Trust is everything to me, whether it's a marriage relationship or friendship or a family member or whatever. Like, trust is everything to me. If I can't trust the person, I, I simply can't be um, deeply connected. I mean, I will I will strong arm and, and, and keep it arm's length quickly just because of my past. And so I remember telling you one time early on, I don't even think we were married yet. I was like, I'm just telling you right now. If you ever cheat on me, we're done. It will be a divorce. 
and I no apologies and I completely applaud and admire and respect marriages that can work through that mm -hmm. given my background that will never be me it will be over done and I just laid down that law and I was like you still interested <laughs> and you're like challenge accepted yeah and that includes porn like that because mm -hmm. you know Jesus said if you if you even look at someone with lust or you know that's you've committed adultery and I, and I was like I'm not sharing that platform that particular area of life with anybody else much less a stranger not doing it so right. that is my red line and so I remember you telling me because you know again like I'm not a super trusting person because I would I think I was born much like my mom who was just incredibly like believe the best in people give them the benefit of the doubt even to a fault of being a little naive and I know that about myself and um, fortunately or unfortunately life experience has shaken most of that from me <laughs> but, but I would tell you that because of my own insecurities I would tell you you know like just reminder, if you ever do this, that's it. That, that is it. And forever and ever. And mm -hmm. and I remember the time that you told me, I think you were kind of tired of me saying it. Because you've never given me one reason to ever, ever be worried about that. Never. This was all inner fear, inner, inner paranoia, inner distrust, mistrust. Because mm -hmm. of everything else before mm -hmm. you. So, once again, you kind of had to bear that burden. I remember one time, I think you were a little bit done with the topic, and you said, you said, look, if I was going to do something like that, I could have done that many times over by now. And I was like, how? You know, because again, this work-life balance, you're either at work or you're home, you know? And I remember you going, it's all around me. If I wanted this, it would be very easy to do, Christy. Mm -hmm. It's all around me. And I was like, oh. Because <laughs> I wasn't working in the corporate world and didn't understand that world the way you you lived it. And so that just, I don't know, something, it's not just the way you said it. Oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't the words you said. It was the way you said it. It was just so like, oh my word. You know, like, if I was well, going to so, do that, I would have done it. I mean, and just, just look around. I mean, how many people do we all know that have, their relationships have fallen apart because of that? A lot. So therefore, yeah, it's kind of an obvious thing. And that was part of that. Um, it's almost a combo with the, the character part and then the, mm -hmm. the trust part was, you know, is, is me challenging you to say, okay, hold on, it's been 20 some odd years and you're still testing me on this? I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Give me a break here. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I know you trust me. And this gets back to the, like the character thing both ways where I was like saying, I know you better than this. What is going on? Why are you pressing me on this? And after 20 some odd years, you still don't trust me? I mean, come on, man. You know, and... Uh, it's so rooted in my own insecurities. Yeah, and I, I, and I knew that. And that's why I called you out and I just had to be kind of just like let's hit pause for a second let's think about this and you know you come around you're like yeah okay i get it and but it's all good yeah and to think like well has he ever ever given me a reason no 
So maybe stop punishing him for something he hasn't done. Yeah, that's and that's been really nice. I <laughs> 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 to not feel the brunt of something that I have never done. It's like. That's actually pretty cool. I remember when the kids were younger, it came up. Like, maybe they were, like, tweens or teens. And it came up, and I I was in the room, but, like, in the kitchen, like, cooking or something. Well, not part, at an active part of the conversation. And you were telling the kids, and you are like, oh, yeah, Mom told me that if I ever cheated, that it would be divorce. It'd be over or done. And, and they were like, really? And you, you were like... And she means it. Mm. <laughs> and I looked up. I was like, yep, I do. <laughs> yeah. So the trust is, is imperative to a healthy marriage. Yeah. Open transparency. Yep, absolutely. Build that trust. It's worth it. Yep. All right. So let's go. Who's next? Hmm. Can't remember. Doesn't matter. How about ladies first? You go. Oh, okay. All right. Ooh. Keep growing without growing apart supporting each other because we will change over time that's a good one that's a good that is a good one would you like to go first sure (laughs) i guess i'll start with the elephant in the room is in 2020 i brought up to you over dinner one night completely out of the blue that i wanted to be tested for autism Mm. that's not something we had talked about this was a deep dive I was doing on my own. I know I've written about it. I was on another podcast, The Rabbit Hole Show, about it. Mm-hmm. And I guess the very short version of that would be I just have always known there was just something different about me. And everybody's unique, and that's great. But there were things that were just debilitating inside me, and I did not understand their source of angst and anxiety and stress. And... Uh, It was an article I read on Medium by a girl, I can't remember her name, but uh, she talked about how she didn't find out until she was 27, and reading her story, just it just captivated me, and I thought, wow, she's been like in my head, and so after that, because I was like, how could you not know that you're autistic at 27? How could you not know that? And um, lo and behold, it, it got me really thinking, and it just haunted me, and so I started listening to TED Talks, and reading online other women who found out as women not as kids that they were autistic and I just Mm. thought there's I what I was doing was searching for proof that I wasn't not that I was I was like okay I'm just gonna read one more to prove that I'm not because every time I read something or watched something I was like oh my word (laughs) oh wow this is new so finally I found a psychologist in town who tests adults hard to find that and yeah has said I want to get tested and you first thing you said was I love you won't change how I feel about you mm-hmm. you know go for it so I did three grueling days of testing and a seven page report later that uh, absolutely I am and it explains some of the things that we've already talked about the high sensory stuff like your junior mints in the movies you're right popcorn (laughs) and that I need structure and all these kinds of things so it's just for me it answered a whole whole lot of questions and has brought a lot of healing um you know the psychologist at the end was like how do you feel about this and I was like it's the best news I've ever had and she's like I did not expect that reaction that is not what most people say I'm like it just explains so much so anyway now I know that I'm not made with leftover parts I'm made exactly how I need to be and so 
this is this last few years have been a huge journey of exploring this and embracing it and just helping other people with it and uh, it's changed my life forever so that's the way that that I've been currently exponentially growing from the inside out and you have been incredibly supportive over all of that you you were never embarrassed of me or like you, what I really appreciate is you didn't discount me. You were like, mm. no, no, no. You never did any of that. You're like, okay, go get tested, you know, <laughs> like, let me know how it goes. And um, you just kind of let me explore this journey. Um, okay, hold on. I use the word let loosely. I'm not saying that in the frame of like permission. I'm saying like of support. Sure, you supported sure. me in <clears throat> self-discovery with this where I, you know, that may not have been easy. And, and, um, I just appreciate that you were like, go for it. Mm -hmm. I got your back, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And like you said, that was part of your growing as a individual, changing as an individual and, and me doing my best to support it. I mean, definitely did not understand it. You know, uh, there were moments in the beginning when she was, when you were telling me about it and I was like, I don't see it. I don't understand. You know, in my head, I was thinking, I don't wonder. But what I realized is it was my skepticism was more that I just did not understand. I needed information and knowledge to be able to then be able to even more fully support you, I guess. I remember... As far as changing, you know, I think one of the key points to this one that I wanted to talk about a little bit was the simple fact that we will change. And I remember we were back living in Tampa. We were out. I don't know if we were walking or riding. I think we were walking or riding bikes or something. And I don't know how far into our marriage we were. We were maybe a year in, maybe maybe two years in, tops. But we were still at plantation, and you said you just we were walking, and you go, you have changed. You know, it had been, you know, whatever a year, maybe two years. Let's call it a year and a half, uh, and you've changed. And I don't even remember what the topic was. Is what was it about that that we were, you know, that was bothering you? But it, at first, of course, I felt like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? You know, what has changed? Have I really changed? What's What's, you know, I got to go fix that and change back to who I was a year and a half ago because I must be wrong because you can't change. Like, that's a bad thing. You know, you hear that all the time about marriages where they end up on the rocks and <laughs> very difficult situations because he says she changed or she says he changed. And the fact of the matter is, no kidding. Of course we change. Mm -hmm. And frankly... If you really think about it, if each of us are not changing as individuals, there's something seriously wrong with us. Right. So it took, it wasn't immediate. I think we soaked on that for a while. And it, it took a little while for us to realize, like, well, whatever it was that I changed, it was, and this is nothing, you know, monumental per se. It was more like, I guess I have changed. And I look at things a little bit differently than I did three years ago. Or two years ago and we both kind of came to the conclusion that okay 
it was more about accepting that change because it wasn't a bad change. It was just different. It was, I've changed, you know. Mm-hmm. And there were some things that I had to like, oh, I need to tighten up a little bit. I think maybe I was getting a little complacent and I had to work on that a little bit. But it wasn't like I was becoming some foreign alien, you know. Mm-hmm. But I changed. So I think it's it's really okay to let each other change as long as that change doesn't kind of wedge us apart. Yeah, because after 33 years, we are either going to be closer or less close. And that's kind of uh, an active choice that both people bring to the table of a marriage to to have as a goal. Like, we're going to stay close. I think um, people need to change. We can't, when we're 20, you know, okay, so like if we're 80, we're not going to be who we were when we were 20. I mean, it's just life and experience and hopefully wisdom and all of that has, has, has been sojourning with us. I think it's good to, you know, keep the fundamentals, the fabric of who we are, <laughs> unchangeable. Like, each of <clears> us <throat> right. have our grounding in our faith, and that's not going to change. Of course, we learn and grow and all that good stuff, mm-hmm. but the foundations of what we believe, you know, don't change. But, yeah, everything else, like... Just even what we enjoy doing together and, you know, your work has changed over the years, what that looks like. You've worked in several different kinds of industries, some completely unrelated from each other, even though you're mm-hmm. you're a tech guy and that's kind of been the common thread. That has looked different and it's been fun to, you know, cheer you on in that, whether, you know, no, no matter what who you were working for, it's been neat to watch you grow as a professional, working professional, to expand your your talents and all of that. And and picking up new hobbies and Mm -hmm. new businesses and things like that that we've done. It's good to keep life interesting. It really is. But grow without growing apart is the whole thing. Because I think, isn't it like the the highest divorce rate right now are empty nesters, like, like exactly our demographic kids are out of the house and it's like okay it's my turn and mm-hmm. or you know you hear the proverbial like sitting at the table and staring at a stranger across you know and it's a, it's an intentional choice it's a slow drip I think to drift apart so um takes a lot of work you know to stay interested I know that like over dinner we ask each other how was your day <laughs> you know mm-hmm. or something that went on good or bad or whatever like how did that make you feel or whatever just like intentionally reaching out yeah yeah it's good stuff it is good all right i think it's your turn so grow without growing apart let's see this one Ooh, rules of conflict (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yes or i should say Wow, there's, there's there's so many layers to this one. One rule of conflict that I think has helped us a lot is that sometimes you need to take breaks. And what I mean from that is like in the heat of the moment, in the argument. I'm not saying that, oh, that break means uh, you need to separate. And, you know, there are times for that. That's not what I'm going at, though, where you need to, you know, take a break from each other for three months and not live in the same home. That's not what I'm saying. But just when you're, you know, in a conflict moment where you're having a heated discussion, 
<laughs> spirited debate. Yeah, a little bit of a spirited debate, but um. Do we have those? <clears throat> never. Never. Mm -mm. No, I just lied. So. <laughs> now it's when we have those. It I think it is healthy to find those moments or to know, you know, a, a good way, a productive way to communicate to each other, is where I say to you. And it's usually not me, actually. It's usually more you. Like, you need to take a break from this conversation. Um, I don't often know better. <laughs> I, don't I, just let it, I just let it go until it escalates and it explodes. And that's not healthy. So I have to be intentional to go, okay, I'm either going to step away for 10 minutes and catch my breath here. Uh, or I'm going to stay in the room and just be quiet and listen. But that's a good way to kind of take a break as well. Take a break from my side of the argument. Mm -hmm. I see conflict resolution with a close relationship like a marriage. It's like, you know, we've got these responses built in us to flight, fight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. And Yeah, I'm a, I'm a flighter. I just, <laughs> I just fly. <laughs> Opposite day. Opposite day. <laughs> I'm a flight. And I'm a fighter. Yeah. I just kind of stay in there. We have completely different conflict mm -hmm. styles. Mm -hmm. Completely. I shut down and withdraw. And, and I you get stand louder. your ground. <laughs> <laughs> I get louder. I'm, I'm being honest. You know? But, you know, a lot of that, again, is what we caught. And not necessarily taught, but caught growing up. Yep. In the houses that we grew up in, and, and uh, a counselor said it real well one time that with all of the conflict in the home that I grew up in, that I learned to, not literally, but metaphorically, run for cover under a table. That coping mechanism of withdrawing, just shutting down, uh, mm -hmm. it's partly that, it's also partly a stress response, because, you know, I'm Again, with the hypersensory, I can't handle, my, my eardrums cannot handle yelling. I can't. And I get, I'm sensitive, so like I get super affected. It doesn't take a lot. Because like, you know, there's been times in life where things were really hard, not with you, but in other ways. And I was a per perfectly healthy individual on two heart medications because of stress. And once that got under control, guess what? I didn't need the heart medications anymore. Mm. Like, I, my body just is, is hyper-reactive to it. I have learned that I need to be able to say, I can go five more minutes, or I can go ten more minutes, and then I'm going to need to pause this conversation for another time. And that, that was really good for me to learn and to be able to do. And I'm glad that you respond well to that. To say, and that's like the break, you know, you're talking about just, I've had what I can handle at this moment, or I'm oversaturated and need to pick it up again in a little bit. And I think that's good for, for everybody. Also, I think you and I both agree that in an argument, if one of the spouses win, then the marriage loses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Somebody wins, nobody wins. Right. Yeah, that's where I have to, another good rule is to not always feel like somebody's got to be at fault. There has to be, there has to be fault, you know, and sometimes there isn't. It's just a misunderstanding, quite frankly, a lot. 
it's just two different perspectives. It's not one is right, one is wrong. It's just different. I remember years ago when I started saying that, saying like, just because I have a different opinion doesn't mean I'm wrong or less than. It just means it's different. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. <laughs> I'm kidding. Kidding. <laughs> no, that's true. That is very true. Triggers. We talked a little bit about things that kind of set us off. And uh, I think it's honoring those and being aware of those things in the heart of an argument and a conflict is being aware of those things, those hot buttons. And, and frankly, resist the urge. I know in the early days it was easy for me to kind of use those hot buttons a little bit as a tool to make it clear that I'm in the right. You know, back to the whole thing. What is mm-hmm. this all about? This argument is all about me establishing I'm correct and you're wrong. And that's just... That doesn't go well. No, it's not productive, period. But I will say you and I are both inherently very competitive people. Mm -hmm. And it's not good when we turn that competitiveness against each other. We should be pooling that together. You know, us against the world, not against each other. How are we going to move forward together? Mm -hmm. Well, I know for me, a trigger that it took me a long, long time to learn. And once I was able to understand it... I could find words to tell you, and that is, again, (laughs) based on a family member growing up, um, the constant threat that I lived with of fear for my safety. I, I cannot have you standing between me and an exit if we're in a room Mm -hmm. arguing. Like, it... I never understood. It took like two decades to understand that we could be spiritly debating something. And then all of a sudden, like my unconscious mind realizes that you're in the doorway and I just freak on the inside. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, I'm just, I am just, you know, an emotional volcano. I didn't understand where all that was coming from. But wow, there was there was one day back in our kitchen when it had just one in and out to it. And I was in the kitchen and you were standing. It wasn't even a doorway. It was the, the island, the island and the wall. So you were standing there in the path to leave the kitchen. And all I could think about was like, I have to get out of here. I have to get... I felt all these feels of unsafe, which were not correct coming from you. They were coming from inside me. And that's when I realized it was like I had this moment where, you know, a bit of a, a flashback in my head. And I was like, oh, wow. And I, was, and I found the words to say, I can't ever have you standing between me and an exit. I have to know mm-hmm. that I can, I don't, I'm not planning on going anywhere, but I have to know that I can leave this room if I have to. I cannot right. feel trapped. And you've honored that ever since mm-hmm. then. Yeah, do my best to... not stand in the doorway you know and even on a normal day when things are going just fine i try not to do that just you know because of that that fact so it kind of begs the question well if i'm gonna if i'm willing to do that in the moment where things are just fine then certainly i should do that during the moment of a of a conflict so Mm -hmm. and that helps us get to our last point that we wrote out about this of Resolving. Resolve it, yeah, and and I think the big two sides. Oh wait, can I just back up for just a second? So I absolutely know your triggers too. Like 
I, I mean, when you live with someone, you, you know them. I know how to poke the bear. And there were mm-hmm. many years that I, I weaponized your weaknesses against you. I knew what would get you. And I think what happened with that is um, that I don't do any of that anymore is hopefully, again, with age comes wisdom experience comes wisdom but but also you know softening of the heart realizing like this is stupid like why why am i intentionally trying to make this moment worse than it needs to be why for whose gain to what end where is this going and i realized that it just never led anywhere good because it was me also trying to win the argument so if i could just wear you down Mm -hmm. (laughs) then i would feel satisfied that i won so we both were guilty of that but Mm -hmm. Maybe we're just getting older and we're tired, <laughs> but I'd like to think we have better perspective now and uh, a little bit more wisdom on what's important in life. And, and it's not that one of us wins, it's that we learn from it and grow together as a couple from it. But you only get to that through resolution, which is what we were saying. Right. And and here we're, ta- we're not talking about you know disagreeing over what to eat for dinner. This is a conflict. This is... You know, it's a fight. Let's call it what it is. It's you're having an argument, and undoubtedly, almost always, how do you resolve it? At some point, it it involves two sides of the same coin, and the one side is an honest, genuine apology is offered, and an honest, genuine forgiveness is given. And I think that's really the key to resolving these things. Is we each have to just come to that conclusion where you have to apologize and then I (laughs) have to offer forgiveness. I wish people could see your face right now. I'm smirking. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But no, I mean, truth be told, the ratio is definitely in my favor when it comes to the one giving the apologies by a long shot. But, uh, but, But that's the key, though, is... Coming to that recognition to say, okay, you know, I did my part. And frankly, a lot of times, I would say that more times than not, though, I, don't, I wonder if you would say this. I think that the majority of the time, it's when we resolve the conflicts, we both have something to apologize for. And we both have something to uh, forgive. Sure, takes two. It's pretty rare when it's purely one-sided. I mean, it's, if it's one-sided, it's usually because someone has truly just gotten off on the wrong foot for the day and it's just in a bad mood mm-hmm. and unfiltered and you know that's right and and when you do that <laughs> i am very quick to go and i've said it to you i'm like hey i don't deserve your mood right now i've mm-hmm. done nothing and said nothing to deserve this so i'm going to walk away and you let me know when you're ready to really start the day and mm-hmm. that's good because before i used to stand there again the flight fight or freeze <laughs> I used to right. stand there and be like, you're not going to talk to me like that. Blah, blah, blah. And now, you know, just the more calm me, the more <laughs> just like, right. well, you let me know when you're ready because this is not my, my argument right now. So, And for me, sometimes to get that final resolution, um, it's not, when I say genuine apology, it's not, I'm sorry. I said I'm sorry. I mean, let it go. My goodness gracious. I said I'm sorry like three times. What's your problem? It's not that. And oftentimes I need to just back up and take a break like we talked about. So I got to take five minutes, 
maybe 10, maybe 15 minutes. And I come back and I go, okay, I said X, Y, and Z. I'm really sorry. Would you accept my apology? But saying in the heat of the moment, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, a hundred times, eh, it really isn't genuine. <laughs> Just not. And it doesn't fool the other person at all. No. And I mean, we've both done that. I know that I struggle with saying I'm sorry because sometimes I struggle feeling sorry and mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here and justify that, but I will explain that I understand that with the autism it's very hard sometimes socially to navigate. I don't have a good compass for this. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> in my head, and I've had conversations with at least two of our kids, if not all three, about this, where they have said, Mom, you're not as quick to apologize. And they both have said, but that's because I don't really think that you see what you did or said. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, because in my logic, and we talk about it, so I'm not just sitting there trying to say they're wrong. I'm saying that I've only known this about, you know, myself going on year three, so, like, there's a lot to still figure out. And I, I do have a difficult time understanding some of the social dynamics of that. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm flat out wrong, I, I know that and I own it. And I will say it, um, like you said, maybe not in that second, but I'll come up later, you know, and say it. But a lot of times I have to, what I need is I need you or whoever <laughs> to say what you said hurt my feelings or I didn't like what you did. Like, cause I'm not going to see it. I'm, right. I'm blind right. to it. Right. So I, I like need to be told, mm -hmm. you know, and then I'm like, Oh really? Ah, I'm sorry. I didn't even realize, you know? Mm -hmm. So punchline for this one is really just resolve it. Don't let it sit. Don't let it be unresolved and don't let the conflict just kind of go on because it festers, it piles on, you know, it's like it rots in the soul yeah. of the marriage. And then the, you know, the next one, then there's another one, then another one, another one. And then there's, there's resentment, there's hurt, there's, um, forgiveness and unforgiveness that needs to be you know it, it just piles on to it's a snowball and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger over time and it does rot and fester like a stinks yeah like you know putting you know expired chicken in the garbage can in the middle of august and waiting a week and then you go to take it out to the trash and boo man it sounds or it smells really rough yeah, and also, you know, you can't sweep it under the rug because that pile under the rug gets really big and all you do is trip over it. And whatever's not, I wish someone had told me this in the beginning of our marriage, whatever's not resolved, somehow, some way gets brought into the next argument. Yep. And now we're going to open up a Pandora's box of now I'm not just mad about this one thing, but about the 10 other things beforehand and then you know, you widen that lens of, of issues so big that now you don't know what you're arguing about. Mm -hmm. Now it's just like everything. And mm -hmm. so I think one thing we've tried to be intentional to do is to keep the issue at hand as the mm -hmm. thing we're talking about and not bring in everything else and just be like, okay, if, if one of us does that, the other one's like, we will talk about that separately. But mm -hmm. to just 
wide open, <laughs> full on, you know, firing range of issues, there's just nothing good mm -hmm. going to come out of that. You're not going to get to a point of resolution. So tackling what's at hand, keeping it on focus it's to cool. that, finish that one, then work on the next one. That's like it reminded me of, remember when we learned not to use infinites? Mm-hmm. <laughs> always, always, never. Never, yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. It's like, don't use those Everything. words. You always, you, yeah. It's All everything. the time. It's, yeah. Those infinites, when you really stop and think about them, they're not true at all. Mm -hmm. And I just used an infinite. They're not <laughs> true at all. But it's it's so true. It's just not. They, they, they really aren't. So that's a tell. Is mm -hmm. If you find yourself using infinites or you find your spouse is using infinites, it's a really good indication that you're you're opening up the aperture way too far. You're not staying focused on the, the issue so that you can resolve it and move forward. And when some, you know, when we say like all or never, whatever, we're expressing a feeling at that time, mm -hmm. but I think there's a better way to say that without bringing everything else in because mm -hmm. the other, the listener, the, the, the speaker might be trying to just express how they're feeling. Like you never do this that I want you to. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's like, I'm so frustrated that you didn't. You know, that's an entirely different sentence because yeah. you, you never did or never do or whatever. It, the, then the it's person a put, is a complete on defense at that point going, what do you mean? I did it last week, you know. Just, and then you're chasing your tail. Yeah. Or yeah. My, one of my favorites are um, you always. I go, oh, really? Okay, give me a list. When was the last 10 times I did? You know, it's like, what were the dates and times? Okay, that's ridiculous. Ditto. <laughs> you know, not good. Not it's good. not good. So keep it single subject if possible Focused. and resolve it. That's what that's what we have learned works for us. Absolutely. All right. All right. I think it's my turn. Okay. Ah, love is a choice. Oh, this is one of my favorites. Well, then you go first. I think I remember vaguely when I first said this and the kids were little and I think we were talking about love and trying to describe to our little tater tots what love is. And I was sitting at the table and I thought it was just the moment of the most genius, deep, innovative, thoughtful things to say. And I said, love? I said, kids? Love is a choice. To which you kind of like whipped your head around and kind of <laughs> side-eyed me a little bit. And we're like, huh? Well, it's puzzled. Look like, what do you mean love is a choice? And my point at the time, and the, my point still is that when the rubber really meets the road, love is a choice. It's like, I choose you. I choose to love you. Uh, not because of what you just said or didn't say, what you're going to do or what you didn't do or who you are or who you aren't, is simply because of who you, because I've chosen to love you. I've chosen you. And to me, that's, it's maybe sounds simple and it's not overly romantic to some, but to me it really is. Because what bigger way to show someone you love them to say that I chose you out of all the people in the planet that I could marry, 
it's you out of the millions and millions of 330 million Americans, you know, it's you. And if that doesn't show you the value, then I'm not quite sure what would. And that seems like love to me. Um, when it's tough, when things are fun, I still choose you. So, and then, and, you know, having love for someone, it's a choice and it's built on, yeah, feelings and emotions and whatnot. But at the end of the day, when feelings are fickle, you know, feelings will be there. Emotions will be there. They'll be good. They'll be, they'll be not so good. They'll be phenomenal. But at the end of the day, it still is a choice. That's what stands forever. Yeah. So that was my point. Yeah. Much like the wedding vows. <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly. Before God and friends and family, you're making a commitment. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the C words, the choice and commitment, you know, they go together. And I sadly think that, that neither one of those are taken nearly as seriously today as, as they should be in the world. And uh, I know that's, that's true for me. And it's funny because, you know, there's been times where, you know, for better or for worse, sickness and health, richer and poorer, yeah, you have to remind your heart because mm-hmm. feelings are fickle. And so when you first said that and I looked at you weird, <laughs> I was like, well, that's sterile. <laughs> There's no warm fuzzy in that. But it, it it's a really good way to put, you know, what the meaning is behind it is like sometimes the head has to remind the heart. You have to choose the person regardless of what happens because who you are on your wedding day when you know you're at your best hopefully um that is just not real life that's why the wedding day is so special Mm -hmm. because it's not reality in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways and i love the stories that i hear of when a, a senior couple and one of them has alzheimer's and i know i read a man online you know he visits his wife every day and she hasn't known who he is for 10 years and they were then they're mm-hmm. like why do you come every day she doesn't know who you are and he says because i know who she is you mm-hmm. know that's a choice yep. that's commitment that's conversely hard. i read a story online with a couple literally married three months and the minute you know they get back from their honeymoon and life has started she falls gravely ill and now it's like incapacitated and they just were starting out mm. so it's like for better for worse sickness and health richer and poorer till death do you part so when i think about love as a choice yours is i think more you know it's good in the fact that it's like minute by minute every day and mine I paint with maybe a broader brush it's like in those moments where the world would say hey we understand if it's just too Mm -hmm. much and that's when like we tell our kids family when it gets hard what do we do we lean in Mm -hmm. we lock arms even tighter and so yeah for me that's what it means to me love is a choice it's like I'm not going anywhere, you know, it doesn't matter if you know who I am or, you know, you get sick or in a car accident or something like that. Like, I chose you Mm -hmm. in 1990 and I still choose you now. (laughs) It's nice to have that confidence and that comfort 
knowing that there is another person walking this planet that's got your back. And I think ultimately there's some really solid reason for that as well. So God chose to breathe life into each and every single one of us. He didn't have to, but he wanted to. And he chose to breathe life into each and every one of us across the planet uh, and across all of time. That's love. And he modeled it for us. And I think the least we can do is model that same love for one another. And it goes beyond just the marriage relationship. I mean, that's where it's the most, I think, intense. But gosh, we've seen it with our kids. We do it with our kids all the time where we choose them. I mean, how many times did we choose them? Um, in, like for me, instead of, I mentioned earlier, staying late for that business meeting or whatnot, I chose mm-hmm. to be there for the ballet recital or that football game or what have you. Uh, the band practice. Piano concerts. Yeah, absolutely. I chose that because I wasn't choosing, choosing the event. I was choosing them. And that was my way of showing them love. Yeah, absolutely. So, Love's a choice, and once you make it, you better stick to it. Because yeah. <laughs> the other person's counting on you. Yeah, that's the that. choice. Not that we're perfect and we're going to mess up a lot, sure. but love is also forgiving and patient mm-hmm. and kind and all those good things. Okay, it's your turn. All right. All right, this one is Let It Go. <laughs> Don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, yes. You want to start? Sure. So... Let it go. This kind of brushes up closely to things that drive you crazy. You oh, know? okay. But, <laughs> but I don't let it. So one thing <laughs> Boy, I just here we go. <laughs> one thing I just let it go. Be, okay, maybe we should frame what we mean by let it go, <laughs> and that would be like whatever it is. It's it's big to that person at the moment, and it may not be big to us or whatever. You just got to understand that you know, even though you're married, you're, you're married to a unique individual that has their own. Mm-hmm thing going on so one thing that I have learned to let it go with you are your political rants Hmm. you hear a topic Hmm. or a debate or something like that and it just takes and I gotta say I'm gonna confess something to you sometimes just for the fun of it I bait you just for Mm. in my own sick enjoyment I just just bring up a topic and I'll just like (laughs) And you just go. <laughs> and it is a monologue until, me up. until you're satisfied that you've gotten all your words out about that. So, but there are times uh, that I will, if, if there's other people in the room, you know, I will hightail it out of there. And I had someone recently call me out on that. They're like, I notice that whenever something political comes up, you leave the room. I'm like, oh, is it that subtle? She's like, yeah, subtle is a heart attack. I'm like, yeah, that's just not... That's not how I enjoy spending my time, but but you love it. And so, so I just have to let it go uh, and gotcha. not be like, could you stop talking about it? Like, I don't want to hear it anymore. I realize that the issues are important to you and how they're being dealt with is important. And they're important to me, too. I just don't need to talk. I always say I use my loudest voice in the voting booth. That's where I, that's where I talk because I never miss an election. Mm-hmm. 
So I have come to understand that this is important to you in that there are sometimes your emotions and feelings and thoughts and perspective bubbles up and you've got to get those words out. And Mm -hmm. if it's just you and me, then I'm the audience and I just let it go because I appreciate that that's important to you. Appreciate that. You kind of let it go. That was an interesting example though. You know, for me, it's, it, it applies a lot of times. We were talking about conflicts just a minute ago and resolving conflicts. Well, one way to resolve a conflict is to never have it in the first place. And, mm-hmm. you know, pick your battles kind of a thing. So my let it go is often that, is to say, okay, is this really worth a fight? <laughs> is this yeah. worth an argument? Is it work, worth a conflict that... I'm probably going to get dialed up and I may say something that I regret and need to apologize for later and et cetera, et cetera. And the next thing you know, three, four hours go by and I could have been doing something a whole lot more productive or fun for that matter. And so a lot of times it's like, you know what, is this really worth it? Is it like, so just taking a pause and asking myself, is this something that I just need to simply let go? It's not that big of a deal. Um, or is this something that, no, I need to, we need to address this and work through this issue. Or is this something where I go, you know, it just doesn't matter. It's a small thing. So when I let it go, it's, it's oftentimes that. It's just saying, you know what, this isn't worth an argument. Just and likewise, there's times that I just give in because it, for the same reasons, maybe we're saying the same thing differently, but like you, sounds like you're doing more of a preemptive strike, like in the front end. I try to. And for me, I'm doing it more like I think about in the back end, like it's our, something's already starting to be mm-hmm. in play and I'm just like, I don't want to do this tonight. And does it, is it really that big of a deal? And if it's not, I'm just like, whatever, whatever, you know, and not one of those like, I don't want to talk to you, I'm going to shut it down kind of thing, but like seriously right. going, I've thought about this in my head. <laughs> I don't want to do this right now. It's not that big of a deal. Am I simply just wanting to have my way just to have it or just to be feel right or something? Like, no, I just, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I just, so much stuff maybe that 20 years ago would have gotten me all riled up. Just, it just doesn't matter anymore. Well, and that's the thing. I have to kind of do a little critical thinking on my own self and a little self-awareness to say, not only is it not worth it and can I just let it go, it's critically asking myself that question in the moment, kind of in this still small voice in my own head to say, can I really let this go? Or is this something that's going to be festering for a few days or a week and that's going to probably end up coming out? In other words, really genuinely let it go where it's mm-hmm. just not like moving on. And if you were to ask me about it the next day, I'd be like, what are you even talking about? I don't, mm-hmm. what do you, what, I don't even remember that. In other words, can I literally wipe it from my memory? If I can, then I'll let it go. Um, but I think it's really important to ask, for me anyways, to ask myself that very specific question. Can I? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, I'm just humoring you, and I'm saying I'm just going to let it go. Well, I'm not really. What I'm doing you just is just put in your pocket for yeah, later. <laughs> totally. Until it gets really, you know, stinky and it starts rotting, and then I bring it out and stick it on the table. And there, that's a bigger deal. Yeah. So. And also, just uh, again, like important. I know you and I are super competitive. And, what are you talking about? No, I'm not. <laughs> So whenever we're discussing something benign, you know, a fixer-upper thing around the house or whatever like that, Mm. sometimes it it can be easy to fall into that trap of like, 
well, I just, I'm right. You know, I just want Mm -hmm. my way in this. And again, I have to measure it and be like, do I really care? Does it really matter that much? And sometimes it does. And other times I'm like, whatever you want. I have no preference. Mm -hmm. Just let it go. It's weird because there are times where, like, we complement each other well in that way that we both have an opinion about stuff, but a lot of times it's only one of us that has the needle move stronger. So it's it's nice when the other person can be like, eh, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, you make the decision. Right. <laughs> you know, whether what color you're painting the wall or what restaurant we're going to go to or whatever, mm-hmm. what plumbing company we're going to use, whatever it is. It's like... We've gotten better at divide and conquer with that. Like, okay, you you know more about this than I do, so you handle that, and vice versa. It's nice. Yeah, indeed. All right. Let it go. Let All it right. go. Let it go. Was it my turn? I don't. Who did? No, that, it's your turn. I, th- I did that oh. one. Sorry. Um, okay, this one is give grace. So for me, I think a lot of times where that comes out is giving you grace kind of goes to the character discussion we had a little bit too, but going to understanding the uh, pain and the grief and the, you know, of, of your childhood. There's some hurt there and knowing, you know, I just need to give you some grace. I think a good example that you could say on me where you have to give me grace is, I'll tell on myself, is how I really struggle in explaining what I'm trying to say, whether mm. what I want or a direction for something where you're like, you want me to be a mind reader? That's never happened. What are you talking about? <laughs> wow, we can, you want to go there? <laughs> I open the door. Again, it's part um, of the wonderful world of autism. <laughs> gosh, I'm thinking, how does that tie back to me giving you grace? Um, well, because you can easily get frustrated with me quickly when I'm struggling to, like, try to tell you. Like, if I'm trying to tell, well, kind of what's happening right now, I'm trying to find my words, right. where I was trying to tell you to put something somewhere one time. And I just, my words, mm. I couldn't. And you're like, what do you mean? Right. <laughs> or probably... A, for listeners to get it, uh, this is a this is a common thing that happens a lot, and this does. Now we know this is a it's a side effect or it's a symptom of autism, is especially adult autism is. I call it context switching, so it's like you'll say something to me, and it's two things. One, it's loaded with pronouns, right? So, no specific person or specific thing, like. He said X, Y, Z to them in the place over there. And I'm like, okay, we were just talking about dinner. What do you, what, what I didn't know, and this is where the frustration comes in, is that your brain had already switched context to, oh, that's about some people or something like that. And I'm like going, how would I know that you were talking about? I would have no earthly idea. But in your mind, you would switch context. You know, your brain just kind of went there because in your mind, you're already thinking about that scenario. And I had no idea what you're talking about. So that's where I guess I've learned to just say, okay, wait, just give her some grace and just ask some questions. Okay, what are you talking about? Who? Who's he? Who's she? What's it? 
you know, and then get to the specifics. Be like, oh, okay, so you're talking about that thing that the conversation that we had three hours ago. Now suddenly you're boom right back there again, and I had no idea. Um, But I just have grace, and then ask some questions, and we move on. And I know there wasn't too long ago we were on the back porch and. I had asked you to uh, move a pillow because <laughs> you were closer to it. I was across the room. And you were like, what pillow? I'm like, that pillow. And you're like, what? This? There's there's lots of pillows around me. Like, which one? Are you? I'm like, well, that one. Because it, and w- tension started growing quickly. It was and like I, six And pillows. you're like, well, where do you want me to put it? And I'm like, there. And you're like, where? And I'm like, there. And it, it was uh, very timely that our youngest son was sitting there and he did this entire explanation of what was happening. And he's like, so in mom's brain, part of the autism is, you know, it, it the, the brain and the words don't connect well and all the time. And mm-hmm. so it actually can bring me to tears sometimes, like trying to give an instruction or direction. It It is so frustrating because I feel like those words are locked in me and I can't find them and I'm trying to say them and it gets me really rattled and it t- and I look like you know I have no idea what I'm talking about and I do but I just can't get it out and so mm-hmm. I do need extra grace in those moments I don't need the impatient you know foot thumping kind of like thing and so you've gotten real a lot better at being patient and giving me grace for that Mm-hmm. For me, learning to give you grace over the years has just been, <laughs> I'm going to use the word that a lot of people in marriage don't want to talk about is change. Like, I mm. have stopped trying to change you. Mm. And I know if you had a nickel for every time you told me in our younger years, stop trying to change me. <laughs> you know? And it's like, I just not going to try to change him anymore mm-hmm. and I mean I married him because I liked something about him so like why am I gonna... still trying to figure out what that was <laughs> no <but. laughs> no just letting there be more grace instead of criticism or or grace instead of nagging you know grace instead of um being hard on you so yeah I think giving grace we we just all need it Mm-hmm. We, home should be the one place in the whole planet where you feel safe yeah, come and some wanted and welcome. Mm-hmm. And we all have bad days and we all have bad moods and we can't all be good at everything. So just grace for each other to just let the leash out a little bit, to enjoy life a little more, give the other person a hot second to catch up to the other one. And realize that we're we're trying to stay in lockstep doing this together. Okay. Okay. Mmm. Alrighty. This one should be fun. Uh, respecting boundaries. <laughs> boundaries. So I'll start. Uh-huh. Um, I have a boundary that I'm just grateful that you go along with. And that is, I firmly, die-hard believe there should never be cell phones in the bed. Oh, yeah. In my world, <laughs> when when you're on your phone and you're laying in bed, you meaning anybody, just with people, 
uh, if it's a text to a coworker or a boss or a neighbor or a friend or a family, you know, anybody, a service person, whatever, it's like they're sitting right there. You and I have always tried hard to have an open home where we just want everyone to feel welcome. You know, we love, love having people over. We love that. And we're so willing to like share everything that we have. But I'm like, so then it's like, if we've opened our home to, you know, the, the world, then that leaves just our bedroom. Mm-hmm. To be right. just ours. And so for me, I, I cannot disconnect that it feels like whoever's on the end of that or a store, you know, whatever. It's like all right there on the bed. And it just feels like the bed should stay sacred in a, in a place where the world is not invited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate mm-hmm. that you don't give me any flack about that. And so we do not ever, ever have cell phones in the bed. The world is not welcome yep. in that one tiny little, whatever, you know, 60 by 80 inches of the world. <laughs> yep. That's, a, that's an easy one, really, when you think about it. And frankly, there's, there's a lot of studies that show that it's really healthy, too, to not have the phone in the bedroom, by the bedside, and all that kind of jazz. So we don't have to worry about that. Not feeling controlled oh that's that's one that i i do for you is i try hard to help you not feel controlled i know that that is something that you don't like at all Mm -hmm. i just try to be cognizant of that yeah i don't think anybody does i mean some of it does go back to my childhood because it was growing up with a family of six and you know, my parents, especially my mom, had to have a pretty, you know, tight rein on what goes on in the house. And, uh, you know, I always had a to-do list every day I got home. And it was like, okay, those to-do lists every time I got home. And I couldn't really go have fun at all until I got my, my to-do list done. And, man, so, yeah, I grew up with <laughs> yeah, a lot of control. And so there's a little bit of a, a triggering for me there. But I think more importantly is just saying... You don't want me to control you either. You no. Know? And no one. <laughs> Not wants, a bit. <laughs> no one wants to feel controlled. Uh, we're all individuals. We all have our own liberty and license in life. So it's more of a partnership, I guess, than it is saying, I'm going to control you or I'm going to, you know. And the other thing is kind of along that, that way is like, don't treat me like I am a, you know, a five-year-old kind of a thing or don't speak to me that way because of course I, I shouldn't speak to you that way and we're all, we're both guilty of that in, at one point in time in the past long long time ago <laughs> decades ago so that's just another one of but I, even though I know most people don't don't like to feel these things I mean that's not uncommon I know that for you it is a real hot button mm-hmm. it's a real sensitive issue for you so I try to remember to, to just kind of respect that about you, remember that about you, that it especially bothers mm-hmm. you, all those said reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it used to be, <laughs> I could use that for my advantage if, if in an argument, you know, I wanted to just be childish, but um, again, that didn't get us anywhere, so... No. So, I, I, yeah, I just try to remember that. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, boundaries good are good. Boundaries are good. Yeah, boundaries are good. Now, you don't have to overdo it, though, because let's be real. It's a marriage. 
Like, right? This is one of those relationships where the boundaries are very few and far between, and they're, quite frankly, pretty porous. Because they have to be. You know, it's like there's... If you say, like, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, then what quickly happens, just by the nature... I mean, just think about it logically. With the amount of time that we spend together, if we all have bound, you know, a, a large number of boundaries, a large number of constraints where I'm expecting you to adapt to everything about me and I want it just so, it's going to drive you neurotic. You can drive you crazy and vice versa. Um, it's unreasonable for me to expect that of you, especially, let alone anybody else, to adapt your way of speaking, the way your way of acting, to a long litany of boundary items. And I think the fact of the matter, especially for folks that are early on in their relationship or in their marriage, is um, I can almost guarantee you, you'll have a longer list of boundary items when you start your relationship than you will at year 33 in marriage, for sure. That list gets smaller and smaller and less important and more porous and more porous because, you know, it's just, it's completely impractical to say, I want you to adapt to all of my needs. I can't demand, I can't demand that of you. It's, it's completely unreasonable to say, you are here to feed me. You are here to do this. You're here to, you know, adapt to all of my, you know, in, 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 uh, you know, idiosyncrasies. That's, that's maddening for anybody. Sure. So, but there are. Be careful you know, with those boundaries. Pick, yeah, just pick, pick them, the pick them wisely. Pick them wisely. Yes, yep. for sure, because we all have, have be few. points that you know that are important to us. Mm-hmm. But yes, pick your battles of boundaries wisely, mm-hmm. because otherwise, living under a bunch of rules and whatnot, it's just it's no fun and it's no. exhausting. And um, yeah. I, it, and, and no, and you'll find that. The the bound the list of boundaries and requirements you probably have that you would like to even have of your spouse, um, no one could probably live up to those. Mm-mm. But the ones that are important stick to them. Yeah, absolutely. Got to hold your ground yeah. on those because if they're important enough, you know, um, then but the other way, person needs to understand and accept that. Exactly, and that's that's the other practical side of it. It's like okay, have have one or two or three or something you know but we both know that about each other and we know what those things are it's not a long list of well if it's raining out and it's three fifteen in the afternoon and etc etc so it's like how in the world would we know that you know the way i look at it is basically boundaries in a marriage it's like what's out of bounds mm-hmm. and just don't do it right we and we know that living with someone, you know, mm-hmm. our spouse, like we know what's out of bounds, and then it's a choice to not do that. So, uh, res- respect that, yeah. yeah. Well, the other thing, those boundaries can become walls, and mm, that's yeah, that is what, and frankly, when they become walls, we're missing a wonderful opportunity to have your wife or your husband come into those boundaries inside of those walls Mm -hmm. and help heal the reasons for needing the boundaries or the walls or Mm -hmm. what have you. And then frankly, we're going to be a whole lot better people. But not letting them in and kind of 
stiff arming them and saying, this is my boundary, stay away. You miss the golden opportunity to potentially have the one person that you've chosen to love come into that boundary, come inside that wall, and, and live in it together and, and heal together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about when I talk about the big boundaries, I mean, that that, that can be some very serious stuff. Mm-hmm. But someone with just, you know, <laughs> a little high maintenance, maybe, with just a lot of, you know, my mom used to say, nibble to death, nibble to death by ducks, you know, or death by a thousand cuts. It's like, to someone to have so many, it's like the walls that you're talking about eventually makes that person a prisoner in their own marriage, like yeah. in, in their own life, really. You yeah, know, inside if, their own. Yeah, if they've just shut themselves off mm-hmm. so much, you know, they've they've locked themselves in those walls. So, good one. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, okay. Keep forgetting who's next. <laughs> I know. Uh, was it you? Wait. Um, me? Um, Honestly, I can't remember. It's okay. Uh, okay, I'm picking now. Okay, so. go. <laughs> this wraps up part two of the anniversary edition. Join us next week for our third and final episode on this series in marriage with deep topics like divorce, so you don't want to miss it. Thanks again for listening to Real Deep Stuff. Follow us and subscribe to save your seat at the table for the next conversation. Also, check out our Facebook page to continue the conversation on today's topic. We'll see you there.